and we're live. This is episode 83. We're almost to 100. We're getting there. And today I have a special guest, Irene Moore Davis. Uh, you definitely know her from the community. She's very involved. She's an educator, historian, writer, podcaster, activist. I mean, there's so many titles that Irene has under her belt. And uh, she's super involved with African Canadian history and really fulfills a bunch of community roles as uh, the president of the Essex County Black Historical Research Society. She's also a member of the Book Fest as programming chair, co-host of uh, her own podcast, All Right in Sin City. And she just mentioned earlier before we jumped on that they've hit 107 episodes, which is uh, fantastic. Um, I'm almost there, Irene. I'm, I'm trying to catch up to you. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, really the list goes on and something very cool uh, that I wanted to mention is uh, she was named 100 Accomplished Black Canadian Women um, and she's from the Windsor area. So I think that's a, a, an excellent achievement. And also, you know, receiving the Harriet Tubman Award uh, for 2022. And I mean, so many other accomplishments under your belt, Irene. And I'm excited to talk about your career and also a career as a, as a social activist and uh, among other things. So Irene, thanks for being here today. My pleasure. And to get started, we'll have to start off with coffee. Do you drink coffee? First question. I drink coffee absolutely every day. <laughs> no. During the pandemic, I drank way too much of it during that lockdown. Yep. <laughs> I've gotten down to like two cups a day now from, you know, those lethal levels. <laughs> Where's your uh, your top favorite place in uh, Windsor, Essex? It's hard to choose just one, so I'm going to break the rules and choose two. I mean, I okay. love Tallulah Cafe. Tallulah Cafe is a favorite hangout spot. They're just so lovely there. And Cafe Amour is another uh, favorite spot to hang out. Both places have excellent coffee and wonderful staff, wonderful team members who just make it such a joy to visit. And they're just aesthetically pleasing places to sit and hang out. Yes, I feel like that's a, big, friends. <laughs> that's a big part, I think, with even with uh, my generation is having a, a cool place to go to that you can take photos in front of. And, uh, you know, there's there might be chill music and stuff like that. So um, Tulula Cafe and Cafe Amor uh, are definitely two spots to check out. So thanks for sharing that, Irene. Um, and now something I'm really interested about is, I mean, I've heard about you so many times before this interview. How did you really get involved with Black history and, and Windsor Essex? How did this really start for you to, you know, to be really become a leader in EDI? I, I, I'm interested in knowing. So I'm going to answer that two ways. I mean, uh, on one hand, I had no choice <laughs> whatsoever. I grew mm -hmm. up in a family that loved Black history, talked about Black history constantly. We would spend our time in the evenings passing around historic uh, photos of our ancestors and telling their stories. And it was how, you know, as a child, as a young person, I was taught to recognize all of these people, to know all about them, to remember their details, and then to share those stories with others and learn about other people and their ancestors and share those stories too. So I was really born into this enterprise. Uh, my mother was a founding member of the board of the North American Black Historical Museum, which is now the Amherstburg Freedom Museum. Uh, my grandmother was a church historian and the historian of a couple of organizations with which she was involved in the Black community. Uh, my grandfather was on the board of what's now the Amherstburg Freedom Museum. So all of that happened. But I would say that there was a particular moment when a spark really hit me and I started to take on more leadership um, capabilities and roles. And it was really 
you know, I was always interested in history and always people knew that I was interested, interested in black history, but I was involved in judging a black history speech contest with some fabulous young people from around our region. And they did a great job, these young people. They were high school students, but every single one of them talked about African-Americans. You know, they were giving speeches on MLK and, and Rosa Parks and Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman and Michael Jordan and all kinds of African-American figures, which is fine. But it really mm -hmm. struck me that no one had touched on any African-Canadian historical figures. And I started to ask, why was that? So I began to investigate what were people learning in school and what kinds of Black history stories were being shared with them. And you know what were the resources available for them to learn about those things? So that's when I really got started uh, trying to address what I viewed as a major gap. Mm -hmm. And that's you're now telling the story of, of Canadian um, Black history because of that. You know that disconnect that you saw with you know it was it was heavily Americanized with this with this competition or what the students were presenting. Absolutely. And, and I, you know, what I found was that a lot of people just weren't learning African-Canadian history at school and that their libraries were lacking information about our country and our country's unique Black history. And so that was mm -hmm. definitely something to address. And, and we've been addressing it in a number of ways, myself and the Essex County Black Historical Research Society and other groups with which I'm associated to. Mm -hmm. And now just, uh, you know, coming up, growing up in, in a grade school and a high school, I, I don't, I don't recall learning black history. I, I mean, I graduated uh, high school 2018, grade school much, much earlier. So I, I don't recall learning it. Uh, for someone like myself, where would you suggest, you know, the best place, I guess, in Windsor, Essex, or uh, whether it's an actual institution or it's uh, online to really learn more about this type of history. Well, we do have such a fascinating history right here in Essex County, for sure. And there are a lot of ways to learn about that. I mean, mm -hmm. yes, there are lots of online sources. If you look at Black Canadian history um, and hit, you know, an important site, a well-vetted, uh, accurate and uh, well-planned site, such as that from Canadian Heritage or the Ontario Black History Society, you'll certainly land on some really interesting things. But I would say too, there are some excellent podcasts out there that talk about African Canadian history that I would you know, encourage people to look into, but also visit our local sites. I mean, things are reopening. You do have opportunities to go to the Amherstburg Freedom Museum, to the Buxton mm. National Historic Site and Museum, to book a tour at Sandwich First Baptist Church, or to visit Uncle Tom's Cabin Heritage uh, Site in Dresden, or the Chatham-Kent Black Historical Society, which is the Black Mecca Museum, or the John and Jane Walls Historic Site in Lakeshore. So those are some great things you can do. You can also learn about Black history at Museum Windsor or the Chimchuck Museum. You can learn about Black Canadian history by visiting the Tower of Freedom Monument on Pitt Street. So there are tons of historic plaques all around. You know, plan a bike tour or a driving tour and, and visit some of those places and learn about our history. And just even the Tourism Windsor Essex Peely Island website can provide some really great information. So you do have opportunities and some wonderful local books too. So I, I hear people say, I don't know how to find that information, but it is out there. 
And I, I like to say, you know, put as much effort into finding out about Black uh, Canadian history as you would into researching your next phone or TV and, and you'll be yeah. a better person for it. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's, uh, I like that idea of taking like a kind of like a bike and, and trying to, you know, hit all the key areas to really learn. Um, you know, I wonder if something like that could, could happen in the future, I guess, to, or if it, it already is taking place to have that, you know, that day tour around Windsor or, or Amherstburg, right? Like, that'd be awesome. I am involved in a couple of projects that are putting together tours. Um, there's, for example, later this month going to be released a new website uh, called Across the River to Freedom, which is coming out in conjunction with a documentary that I've co-executive produced called Across the River to Freedom. And that website will include a walking tour, a guided walking tour of Sandwich, where you can learn all about the Black history of Sandwich. So look for those opportunities. I would also commend to people the wonderful website that we put together for our previous documentary, The North Was Our Canaan, which also includes some great information. And always I want to give a shout out to the Greater Essex County District School Board. Over a number of years, I have worked with them on a great resource for teachers called African Canadian Roads to Freedom. And if you just go to that document on their website and flip through it or scroll through it, you're going to learn a lot about Black history. And even if the teachers in your school didn't have an opportunity to teach you those things, you can go through and learn about it now. Yeah, no, it's, uh, there's a lot, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of resources and, and you know, places like the Sandwich First Baptist Church. I mean, I had the pleasure of walking in there uh, a few weeks ago and I just, it's such a remarkable place to, to be in. There's so many stories that were, that were being shared. It's just unbelievable. That is a crown jewel. I mean, Sandwich First Baptist Church is the only remaining structure that was built by formerly enslaved people of African descent or freedom seekers. We have many Black congregations in the area that date back to those years. But in Windsor, it's the only remaining church structure that was actually built by formerly enslaved people. You know, when they were building Sandwich First Baptist Church and preparing to dedicate it in 1851, all of the Black families of Sandwich that attended that church had a quota of bricks that they had to make. So they would get together in the churchyard after work and create these bricks with the local clay, with Detroit River water, bake them in the kiln. And those books are still, those books, those bricks are still there today, as is the amazing floor. I mean, we don't usually talk about the floor of a place, but they have areas in the floor where they can lift up the boards and show you where people actually were able to hide when slave catchers mm. crossed the river looking for them. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's very, very interesting. And I believe uh, many uh, Black leaders have, have been there and, and like throughout the history. I can't remember some of the names I was told that that uh, visited, but uh, you might recall, I imagine. Oh, for sure. I mean, I don't want to give away all their secrets because I want you okay. to go on a tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that was an important place, not just a spiritual home or a, a place of worship, but it also hosted major meetings and conventions for the Black community through the decades. So it's got a, a pretty tremendous history, and that's why it is a national historic site. Yes, definitely. Um, and now just transitioning over to I mean, you have many roles that I mentioned at the beginning, um, and I just want to know, has there been, as a, as a writer, producer, historian, all those titles, has there really been like this one moment that you can, you're truly proud of so far throughout your, your fantastic career? 
Oh my goodness. There are so many, <laughs> there are so many. And, and truly it's, it's because um, I have opportunities to work with just excellent people who are committed, who are dedicated to what they do. And I surround myself with those people. So there have been many moments of triumph that came out of, of those experiences. But I would say, honestly, um, the North was our Canaan was a tremendous win. Um, it was a, a short film that we put together on a very tiny budget. We had $5,000 in shirk funds to make that film. And uh, we, we created it with a graduate student director, Anushree Singh. Uh, when I say we, I'm speaking of Heidi Jacobs, my fellow executive producer and me. Um, it was a partnership between our History Society and the Center for Digital Scholarship at the University of Windsor. So with 5,000 bucks, we hired this uh, graduate student who was phenomenal to be the director. We hired undergraduates to work as the film production crew. And we created this pretty good short documentary. I mean, good enough to win the Lieutenant Governor's Ontario Heritage Award, good enough to win Best Short Documentary and Best uh, doc Documentary Director at the International Black and Diversity Film Festival. But more important than those awards is just the number of views and all of the information that we've received about how well it's being utilized in schools by teachers mm. and students. And so, so many people are learning about Sandwich's Black history from that short little 20 or so minute film. There are many books and articles that have been written about that history, but sometimes we have to do something a little different to make it accessible to more people. So I'm so glad we did that and so glad that it's meeting with success and lots of viewers. And now where can, can people watch this? You know, the North was our, our, our is it Canaan? Canaan. Canaan, yes. So where, and I believe it happened in, or you, it was produced in 2020, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Yeah. Is it still accessible online? If somebody was watching, they could they could tune it, they, they could throw it on the TV or something. It is still accessible online. So honestly, if you just Google the North was our Canaan, C A N A A N, it mm. will pop up. It lives perpetually on the University of Windsor website. We haven't oh, made awesome. it hard for people to find. And there's a great website that surrounds it with more information, lots of uh, uh, images in the gallery, beautiful maps and all kinds of resources to help teachers, but also just members of the public learn more about that history. And we're so mm -hmm. proud of it. No, that's fantastic. I'm definitely gonna check it out. And it's, I think it's even more special because you had students from the University of Windsor helping produce it. Like, I mean, that's a, a fantastic achievement for yourself and them, you know, winning the Lieutenant uh, governor's award and, and things like that. It's it's really like a community effort that went into it. It really is. Yeah, we're, we're so proud just to, to share those stories. People that walk around this city, sometimes ourselves included, don't necessarily have a sense of how significant this area has been. When mm -hmm. we talk about the Black Canadian history, but also other, other forms of history here, the automotive history, the military history, dare I say the prohibition history, you know, all of those the, the workers' rights history. We've had incredible impacts on the story of Canada, on the story of the Detroit River region, on international history from this little place that a lot of people haven't heard much about. And we should be proud of that history, all of that history, and, and really amplify it and make sure that we're continuing to learn from it because the ancestors have left us an incredible legacy. 
Yes, no, I, I totally agree. It's it's about sharing those stories as well and, and ensuring that people my age, uh, the next generation continues to tell them and, and share those, those stories with, with their family and it continues, right? It, uh, we don't want it to, to hit, a, hit a wall and just stop, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, now, moving on to more of uh, another part of, of your role in the community is, is being an activist and uh, understanding uh, you know, myself included, that there, there has to be more work uh, that's done to really eliminate discrimination and, and, and move our community forward in a positive way that, you know, is accepting of, of all people. Um, I, I'm interested to know what, uh, on that lens, and uh, what, what types of initiatives do you have on the go or does the community have on the go to really um, eliminate racial discrimination and, uh, you know, any type of racism that takes place? Well, back in 2020, and ironically, it was on this day in 2020, so it was two years early, uh, my dear friend Angelina Ebegbusier and I formed a new organization called Black Women of For Forward Action. So Black Women of Forward Action consists of weekly Monday night safe space Zoom gatherings with Black African Caribbean women of Windsor Essex County, where they can talk about mental health, talk about the things that are causing them stress, engage in some collaborative problem solving, but also celebrate one another's successes, you know, discuss contemporary issues. And other than holidays, we've been meeting literally every Monday since June 2020. So we are well into those meetings now. And, and they really draw a broad cross-section of women from the Underground Railroad Descendant community, the Caribbean Canadian uh, community, and the continental African uh, Canadian community. So we are so proud of those meetings, but even more importantly than those meetings, you know, there have been a number of outgrowths from that organization, such as a, a black women's walking club so that people are able to go for walks together and feel safe in numbers. Um, you know, something that we've certainly encountered in the past as individuals is just sort of microaggressions and other forms of aggression when we're out trying to exercise on our own sometimes. So that's something that's been addressed uh, through the group. We have certainly created some wonderful business networking opportunities and even a black business directory out of that organization. And something else that we've really taken under our wing are the kinds of discussions that needed to be had with the local school boards, uh, both mm -hmm. English and French language school boards around anti-black racism in the K to 12 school system around um, hiring teachers equitably around addressing some of those representation issues that occur, making sure that the curriculum and what, what students are encountering day to day in the classroom actually reflects all of these identities. Um, but, you know, above all, looking at things like streaming, looking at things like um, unjust or uneven or inequitable meeting out of discipline uh, based on race, uh, those kinds of issues. And so we've developed some pretty good partnerships, especially with the two English language school boards, so that um, those issues are being addressed. And having taken the lead on those meetings with senior administration teams at the school boards, we were then joined by another great group, the Black Council of Windsor-Essex. And together, we really pressed for the new anti-Black racism strategy that's just been unveiled at the Greater Essex County District School Board. Um, and so, you know, those are some of the things that we've been up to that continue mm -hmm. to bear fruit. And we're very, very 
excited about seeing what comes of them. All of us, every single one of us in our K-12 careers, if we were here in uh, Canada at the time, had some sort of experiences of anti-Black racism in the school system. And many of us who have kids that are currently in the system are painfully aware that anti-Black racism continues to be a factor that limits the potential of many of our youth. And so we're happy to have the opportunity to address some of those challenges. Yes, no, it sounds like a fantastic initiative. And I put it on the screen here, uh, Black Women of Forward Action. And, uh, you know, I, I'm glad you're going into those those schools because, you know, at a young age, that's where it starts, right? That's that's where, I guess, you know, myself and other people are, are the influence the most. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I believe that 99.999% of teachers and administrators want to do their best, but there's yeah. just so much that they may not be aware of in terms of unconscious bias in themselves, but also just not recognizing the signs of what's happening kind of under their noses or behind their backs. Um, sometimes if we don't see somebody getting punched or kicked, we don't understand the racial microaggressions that that kid or that young person is facing and how that might, you know, have a, a, an impact on their uh, productivity as a student or their belief in themselves, their belief in what they can achieve. So we just want people to be very mindful of the impact that that can have, whether from peers or from teachers and admin uh, making sure that we're addressing some of those challenges. Definitely. And imagine, do it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely. And imagine, would you say, like, I guess, you know, older curriculum might have those biases in, in place and, and that could be, you know, one of the issues perhaps? That really is a factor. I mean, I think that slowly but surely there have been improvements, at least in terms of the representation that we see in materials so that more and more textbooks, for example, are inclusive. They have mm. pictures of people of various ethnicities and that sort of thing. Or history textbooks may have a little sidebar that mentions the number two construction battalion, or there might be a little sidebar that talks about Black pioneers. But, you know, we want to kind of work towards greater integration than just, you know, a little column on the side of a page in one chapter of a book, right? The Ontario Black History Society, I'm going back to history, as you can see, but it's all sort of related. The Ontario Black History Society has uh, launched a wonderful campaign in the last, uh, I'm going to say about 16 months, focused on blacked out history, showing, literally going through textbook and showing how little content there is about black history, wow. for example. Um, and, you know, you can uh, see that it's just tiny, tiny, minuscule amounts of coverage that's in a lot of those textbooks that are in use today. That's just history. That's not even addressing, you know, what it is for a child to go through 12 years of math or science, hear about a Black inventor or a Black engineer and only see, you know, examples of uh, people of European descent uh, mm -hmm. presented to them. And, you know, sometimes even though the textbooks may be slightly more up to date, people are still showing some uh, videos or other resources that aren't really appropriate uh, from an equity, diversity, inclusion and decolonization lens. Or it's even things like just the language that people may be using in the classroom inadvertently. 
Um, you know, not really thinking through word choices, not really thinking through who's being brought in as guest speakers. There's just a lot to it. And we want to make it as easy for people to uh, work more equitably and teach more equitably you know, as we possibly can. So we're just committed to providing as much support as we can to make sure that this works out well for everyone. Well, it's it's a fantastic initiative. And uh, I appreciate that you're, you know, you're, you're at the at the forefront leading it because it's something like that that needs to definitely be addressed and uh, people need to be aware of it in in the school boards so that's uh that's fantastic news um and and going into a bit more about uh, social activism and uh you know perhaps there's some people around my age or those that are watching that are looking to get more involved with becoming an activist in the community on all types of topics and social issues and you know, trying to bring social change to take place. What advice can you share with those people looking to, I guess, leverage their voice, increase it, have a, make a difference as an activist? I mean, there are so many ways to go about that. Um, one thing that, that I have heard, I did not invent these three questions, but these are three questions that I really prefer to use mm -hmm. to guide my work. You know, take a look around, ask yourself what you're good at, ask yourself what you like to do, and then ask yourself what needs doing. So when you kind of find that sweet spot, the intersection of your best gifts or skills and the things that you know you would find joy and passion in doing, intersecting with those challenges or issues that really need attention in the community, that's how to find the magic and to figure out exactly how you can be of service in addressing those challenges. It's not going to be the same challenge for everybody and it's not going to be the same skill set for everybody. So I'm pretty good at writing and public speaking and that's what I do. And that's, you know, those are the gifts that I use. I'm pretty good at being in a meeting where emotions are rising and kind of uh, finding that consensus and hmm. getting people to talk and focus on an issue and figure out what are the small steps that lead to the bigger steps to get something solved. Like those are the things that I know how to do. So you're not going to see me build websites and <laughs> you're not going to see me do a bunch of finance stuff. Those aren't my gifts. So I think that for everybody, you know, you've got to find out what you're good at, what you like to do, and what really needs doing around you. It might be in your neighborhood. It might be globally, but that's that's the thing. Another way to look at that, I'm not going to quote this exactly, I'm sure, but just to paraphrase, paraphrase the great Archbishop Desmond Tutu, peace be upon him, he used to speak about how opening up the newspaper kind of resulted in the in the day's to-do list. Like you, you, you get your task list by opening up the newspaper. I guess now we would be scrolling through news sites or whatever uh, if we're not into print media like our forebears. But, you know, those things that really awaken you and provoke you and push you and pull you and make you want to do something, those are the things that are going to drive you to achieve successes in terms of moving the needle and creating change. So figure out what your best gifts are that relate to those things. And then find people who think like you, find people who think differently from you, but find people that are interested in the same things. And goodness knows, um, while it's not a perfect world by any means, we do have the great benefit of technology that can make it a lot easier for us to find people that are interested in the same causes, even if they're not in our own city. 
you know, mm -hmm. I've become involved in some great uh, national initiatives with people that I've never met face to face, or or maybe I've only met a few of them face to face. But certainly, that technology is such a, a great uh, gatherer and collector of people, and it really aids collaboration and. And you can do anything um, if you find the right team. And so figure out how to be the right team member, but also how to find people with whom you can work. They can be local, they can be elsewhere, but just put your heads down, dream big, figure out what you can do together. Fantastic. And no, I, I think that I, I love those three questions. And what, you know, perhaps it, would you say it, it helps those individuals who perhaps they're looking to take action, but sometimes they jump on too quickly. They see a movement take place and they jump onto that movement so quickly without understanding, is this something that I should be involved with? Is this sure. something that's right for me where my skill set can be used? So perhaps it might help those individuals find the best fit cause to put their voice towards. I think so. I mean, I think there's always research that has to be done, especially those of us who are of age. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we have a responsibility to know what we're signing our names to. We have a responsibility to know who we're supporting. Uh, that goes whether you're in, you're in the ballot box or whether you're just, you know, jumping on board with a movement that speaks to you. So find mm -hmm. out who's involved. Find out, you know, some of those background details. Find out how that movement came about. It's relatively easy to get that kind of information. Make sure it's something that you're you're going to be comfortable with and proud of and something that you will still respect a year later or what have you. But my goodness, there are so many opportunities and and we know that the world needs every one of us to be passionate about something. There are mm -hmm. so many joys and so many blessings and gifts all around us, but there are problems too, big problems um, that remain in front of us. And, and I know sometimes there's a tendency to try to ignore them and say, well, you know, I'm going to work my job. I'm going to watch my Netflix. <laughs> I'm going to hang out with my friends. That's fine. We need that mixture of work and, and leisure and relaxation yeah. and so on. But but everybody's got to find something that that they can really, uh, you know, make a difference on. We need everybody's gifts. We need all hands on deck to make this world better. Yes. No, I, I can't agree with you more. Um, Irene, this has been a really cool conversation. I think I've learned a lot um, about local history. Also, you know, what you're involved with, how people can get involved in learning more about Black history and how they can become a better activist. So I think this was an important conversation, especially for young people as you know, we continue to educate ourselves and get involved with, with social movements and try to really make a difference in the world. So Irene, I wanna thank you for, for coming on tonight and those who tuned in or are tuning in after, you can watch everything on coffeewithcraner.com. Thank you. Irene, thanks for being here. We'll see you soon.